Welcome to the Desert Street Podcast, the podcast helping you develop forex trading skills for more freedom. I'm your host, Etienne Kret. We are in episode 163. Let's get started right away. I'm sitting down today in the evening Montreal with Mandy, who's in the morning next day. How's it going with Mandy? How are you? Oh, all good, Etienne. Thank you for letting me sleep in. Yeah, <laughs> 9 a.m. is the latest we've done this so far. So it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like seven o'clock. I'm like, Etienne, please. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. So I got another two hours to sleep. Thank you. <laughs> but it's really worth it. I mean, this is prepared now and refreshed for talking about creating the right mindset for trading. So in other words, how you get from whatever stage you're at when you wake up or when you start to trade to being ready to trade. And that's, I think, a big step. We'll cover that today. But Mandy, for people not knowing you at all, can you introduce yourself, talk about what you do, who you are, and a bit of background about yourself? Okay, just to that quickly, because it's not supposed to be about me. I have been trading for over 15 years now and have been coaching since 2006. So I have been coaching traders, I should say, coaching, specializing in trading mindset and trading performance, improving trading performance. I'm a trained coach. I'm not a trading psychologist. That's my disclaimer. My website is tradingpsychology.com.au and that was still from the time when there was no political correctness, you know? It's like no one cared. And just a month ago, someone attacked me on Twitter because, you know, she said that I pretend to be a psychologist, even though I have a massive disclaimer on my website. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a trained coach, so don't want to be a psychologist. Psychologists, they look more into the past on, you know, what went wrong, and they don't offer ideas and strategies in how to improve your performance going forward. We coaches, we look at, all right, so where are you now? I'm sure you all have like um, seen funny sketches of it. Where are you now? That's really most important. How did you get to where you are now? And what do you need to do differently so you get to where you want to be? That's in three simple steps describing how we coaches work. And yeah, so that's what I do. <laughs> I'm in Melbourne. I'm a German living in Melbourne. Like, you know, Etienne, you're a Canadian being a traveler of the world. So, yeah. Sounds good. So, so far we have people from Colombia, Netherlands, Kentucky, and you're in Australia, nice. Canada for me. So all the world. Love it. So, Mindy, I want to ask you first. Like, you probably get this, this question a lot. People asking you, how do I get the right mindset to trade? Is it like one thing we have to change or is it like a whole series of things we have to change? And mm -hmm. if so, kind of how should people go about it first? That is a really good question. Because if we look at... Traders create results that they don't love, right? Meaning they have a loss or a string of losses or blow out their accounts. And then if you work backwards, we say, all right, so what created this kind of behavior? Then, you know, what is it that makes us perform some days, doesn't perform other days? And as you know, there are three areas to it. So there's your trading strategy. Your, the markets, the context of the markets. So at the moment, it's crazy times with Trump and, and Musk, you know, Elon Musk and Tesla. And then, of course, there's yourself. The thing that we can control is ourselves. It's the only part that we can control. And it's important to know that we can control our behavior because we need to be able to execute our trades and get out of our trades when we get it wrong. And this is what most traders are struggling with, the getting out of our trades when we get it wrong. So looking backwards, what causes that? And so many traders that come to me at the end, they say, how can I be more patient? How can I be more disciplined? How can I be more confident? And they want to work on these areas in the context of trading, meaning they want me to give them a magic pill of how to close out a trade without hurting. <laughs> and you know what, Etienne, I'm looking for the magic pill in weight loss. Like, how can I eat pizza and drink Coca-Cola? I love pizza and Coca-Cola and beer and eat chocolates and not gain weight. And I can tell you, the older you get, the harder it gets. Unlike in trading, in trading is the longer you are in the market, the easier it gets. That's, it's just a matter of time. And so there is no magic pill. I haven't found one as yet. Every magic pill that someone offers um, turns out to have a massive, massive drawback. Meaning, you know, some talk about getting this ring for your stomach to make your stomach smaller. I don't know if people know about that. That has a massive impact on the hormonal levels of the person, not just women, men as well. 
it has a massive impact on the acid reflux. Like there's so many side effects that I know people who had that done, they wish they hadn't done it. And so, so it's the so same with... That would be the same if you were to kind of scream at someone when they're not confident and they trade, pretty much. I beg your pardon? So that would be the same as, as IQ screaming at someone when they're not confident or they lose a trade. Same thing. So you kind yeah. of push them to do the right thing, but they won't do it in the end. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, there is no magic pill. That You have to go through the experiences that you don't like. Taking a loss can hurt. And it hurts at times when you feel worse about yourself because life is not going the way you want it to be. And it hurts, it hurts less when your life is going well, when the rest of your life is going well. You're in a happy relationship. You have great friends. You're feeling on top of your game because you're exercising a lot and you know, you're feeling strong. You're healthy. You have enough money, so you don't need to worry about money. So going back to how do you prepare yourself in terms of being prepared for the market, it starts not in the markets. It starts not at the morning before when you get up and you get into the market. It starts with your whole context of life. So I know people who have problems taking their losses. And then when we drill deeper, it's like, wow, they have a lot of debts and they have financial pressure from their family. They have to feed two kids. And, you know, they have pressure to perform from their peers. You know, the peers are the kind of people who would put them down if they have bad experiences rather than helping them to lift them up and have their back. That is where it starts. If you have shitty friends, that means everything about you and not about your friends. It means a lot about your self-image. That means a lot about how much you love yourself. Because if you love yourself and if you feel good about who you are with all your flaws, with all your drawdowns, with all your behaviors that you don't like about yourself, your tummy maybe, your legs, your face, whatever it is, you still love yourself, then that means that you will be able to set the boundaries where people who are crappy just don't have a place in your life. Where it means that losing trades that keep you up at night, where you feel sick in your tummy, where you see your money floating away because you don't take your losses, that has no space in your life. Can you see the connection? Does it make sense? Yeah. So what would that look like in trading? Because yeah, I think people hear the message they have to kind of love themselves in, yeah, like health or the weight topic, but what would that look like in trading? Would that be the same issue or a little bit different? Yes. So I always say hanging on to a losing trade is like hanging on to a relationship that is not making you happy. It's hanging on to a relationship where someone just takes from you, but there is no give and take. So it kind of feels good in the now, but not it's not the right thing to do for the long term. It doesn't even feel good in the now. What it is, it, it gives a trade of certainty. Yeah. So it's the certainty of I rather hang on to this than moving into the unknown future. And what that means is that this trader has a high need for certainty. Why does this trader have a high need for certainty? Because the rest of their life is completely out of whack, meaning they don't have a great support team who has their back, even if they stuff it up or if they fuck it up, right? There's levels of it. You know, I don't know about you, but I have done some stupid things in my life and not intentionally, just because out of naivety, out of wanting to do the right thing, but ended up doing the wrong thing. So like Temperton says, most traders, they lose money in the attempt not to lose money. And that's when they lose everything. By, by trying not to lose everything, they lose everything. And so having a great support team around you, people who say, hey, you really stuffed that one up, but it's okay, we're still here for you. And we help you to look at different ways to get out of your mess or, you know, to make it up to your friends who say, I didn't like that you did that. You know, that was not a nice thing to do, but, you know, I still, I know I have your back because I'm your friend and I know you didn't do it because you were a nasty person. So it's the same in trading. If we fear that our peers or our family will be upset with us when we don't perform in trading, this is happening so often. Yeah, so the trader is doing the best trying to give 
a better life to their families. And then when they have a losing week, the wife or the partner or the husband or the friends, they're like, oh, what's wrong with you? Oh, my God, you had a losing week. You know, I'm worried about our money. I'm worried about our finances. They give a complete vote of distrust. And then for the trader to perform is really, really hard. Yeah. I've seen both cases on this, but I want to go back a little bit on the sport team first. So this is like something that had a big, big impact on me, having the right people around me. But yeah. for people starting off with this topic, like what should they think about? Should they bring on professionals? Who should they think about first to bring in their team? Hmm. I can only talk for myself. I have been trying for years to fix it myself and found it incredibly hard. So I, I read all the books. You know, at the time when I started, there was books. You know, there was no internet as much as it is today. I went to the seminars. I did so much personal development, and yet nothing shifted. Because again, it's not the content that changes our life. It's the thinking strategies. And they are so unconscious for us that it is so much easier for a third party to look at us and say, look, this is what you did. And this, this goes back to having great friends around you who pull you up on your thinking who say, I know you didn't do that on purpose, but this is what got you into trouble. So fix it, change it, don't do that again. One example is having a friend who, so I have this friend, he misled a girl, right? And so he was still going out with her whilst seeing a new girl. And he kept going out with the other girl because he didn't want to hurt her. So in the attempt of not wanting to hurt her and not knowing how to leave her, he betrayed her and then she found out and then she was even more hurt. And so his avoidance of solving or fixing what needs to be fixed and doing what needs to be done caused even more problems than if he had dealt with the problem straight away and be honest with her. Yes, she would have been hurt, but now she was even more hurt. Does it sound familiar with trading? Yeah, so I kind of see this, yeah, a little bit where people kind of maybe try to avoid the problem also. Like they, they understand that they have to work on something or fix that deal with something, which might be as simple as making a plan, but then they don't do it because it feels better to not do it for now, I guess. Yeah, so if you look at not making a plan, what that often is related to is traders. Why do traders get into trading? Number one, because it feels good. And number two, because they feel that this gives them the pathway to the freedom that they think is not possible in other ways. Again, that was something that was for me the case. I never saw myself as someone who can be a high-flying executive or so. That was my self-image, by the way. You know, Nowadays, <laughs> I'm like, give me any job. I can handle it. If I don't know how, I'll find a way. I'll find out how. So I thought trading is my way out. But freedom is one of my highest values, meaning that every time I had to do a plan or I had to structure my day, I felt like my freedom is being taken away. And so this is what traders experience when they have to make a plan, when, they, when we say, follow a structure, follow a strategy. They're like, I don't want to do that. And they're rebelling against it like little kids. They're like, I got into this for my freedom, not to be my freedom taken away from. When we change freedom to being a goal, then making a plan, following a structure, following a routine is the pathway to freedom. And that is the big difference, right? So I lost my trail of thought. The not wanting to make a plan feels bad because traders think that it takes away their freedom where it is actually the pathway to freedom, which is the crazy thing. It's, again, the same thing what we said before. Most traders lose money in attempt not to lose money. Most traders lose their freedom in the attempt not to lose their freedom. Can you see that? Right. But I feel like this is something it takes a long time to understand and to really like, be clear about. Because for a long time, even for me, I was seeing a plan as, first of all, a waste of time. And second of all, as something not cool to do because I was technically able to trade. I could make a living myself without a plan. I thought at that time, but I realized it doesn't doesn't really work that way. And that's the thing, you know, like there is so much more available for you when you make a plan, isn't it? So I was was on this training with Tony and Matt. 
the training with Tony and Matt. And if you look at Matt, Matt doesn't have a plan written down. I, I had to talk it through with him for hours that became that he became aware of how he trades, right? And he's like amazing. He makes, you know, he he's like if you look at his my FX book statistics, it's mind blowing. But he grew up as a trader in a professional environment. So he had the context. We retail traders don't have that. So that's why we need to create our structure, our context ourselves by having a plan. And so Matt and Tony, they apply a lot of fundamental macro approach. And I always thought, oh, I don't need macro. That's, you know, who cares? It's all too hard anyway. My brain doesn't work this way. But the thing is that learning and understanding how those guys traded there was so much more available for me that I didn't know was available for me and it improved my trading. So it's not that we don't perform. It's that can we perform better if we apply a plan, if we write down our thoughts, if we create a structure, if we apply our metrics. You know, so that's one thing, for example. Yes, you can perform without a plan. Can you do much better? Yes. And if I look at Linda Rushke again, when she did the presentation at the ATAA, the Australian Technical Analysis Association, here in May, like, wow, you should see her procedures. She had like spreadsheets over spreadsheets over spreadsheets, handwriting everything. Now, that was before computers, of course. But she said the handwriting everything was what gave her the feel for the market. And she believes that with the computer age, with being able to draw your statistics with one click, doesn't give you the same feel as writing it down. So, and I agree with that as well. So that's the part of writing a plan. Why don't you want to write a plan? Most probably because freedom is really high in your values. Change that, make it a goal, not a value. If we look at not taking losses, which is the biggest, biggest, biggest problem why traders lose money. Like if you can fix this one thing of not taking your losses, I guarantee you, the statistics will turn from 75% of traders losing to 75% of traders winning. That, that's the one thing that we need to fix, nothing else. Why is it so hard to press this mouse button? And so that goes back to your life circumstances, having support. So to get back to your original question, where would you start? We can't see ourselves from the back of our eyeballs. That's what I always say. And that's why I have mentors and coaches as well who point out to me my behaviors that are unconscious. And I'm like, really? I do that? No way. And it, I always um, remember when I was going out with my former partner and he would say to me, like we were driving in the car and would say to me, stop holding your breath, breathe. And I would make him angry, right? And it's like, I don't hold my breath. I was not conscious for holding my breath. And it's the thing that we don't realize ourselves that a third party has to point out to us. When I was running the training with Tony and Matt also, really interesting. So I was going through everyone and saying, what did you learn? What are you going to apply in coming out of this training? And most guys who had been in my FIAS 10 training, they have already been trained, right? So they knew how to respond. And two guys, they haven't been in my FIAS 10 training and they would start off on their own agenda, pretending that they are different than everyone else. Well, you know, for me, it's different because blah, blah, blah. And I said, this was not my question. You're going out on a tangent. And they would steamroll me, right, by saying, no, but it's different for me, and shut me down and close me down. Number one, how much fun is it for me to teach and train this trader? Not fun. So like rock on. I don't care. The second thing is, if they steamroll me as the trainer and don't answer my question, but answer their own agenda, are they going to do the same with the markets? I can guarantee you they will. Now, they didn't do that because they were nasty people or like, I love them dearly. I adore these guys. They're going to be amazing traders. I know that. But they can't see their own behavior. So it's up to me to point it out to them in a constructive way, in a way that they can look at it and say, like, wow, I did not realize I do that. Where else in my life do I do that? Do I do that with my wife? Oh, no wonder she gets cranky with me. Do I do that with my children? No wonder they are sometimes afraid of me. Do I do that with my work colleagues? No wonder there is no collaboration and cooperation in my team. Can you yeah. see the power of that? And that shows in your trading within split seconds. because. 
they will be people who will fight the market. And that's something I wish I had first when I started to trade, at least like a few months after. Because for a long time, I didn't see how I was thinking myself about the market. And then you get to a point where you kind of realize it yourself and you understand pretty fast that it's not serving you at all and you have to change this. But to get to the point where you understand what happens and how you react to the market, that's like a long pathway, I believe. Yeah, it is. And it's painful, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, oh my God, really? Do I do that? Oh God. You know? So how, just... how do you bring people that are let's say, training themselves now at home and they don't really know what they're doing right? Should they consult a coach? Or what would be the best way to kind of understand how they behave? Can they do it themselves or no? I don't think it is possible to do it yourself. Again, it's because oh. the blind spots we have right. can do it to a certain extent ourselves. But it's really going back to what I said before, it is not the content. I mean, everyone has read, you know, trading in the zone and has watched videos. It's the application of it. And the application of it is the hard thing. It's like, do I do that right? How do I know if I do it right? And so a trader asked me, how do I know if my problems are mindset related, if my strategy doesn't work, or if it's just the market being funny? And I said, it's in your statistics, in your metrics. You need to write it down. Go through all your trading statements, all the losses that you had. If you had followed your 2%, this guy, the 2% drawdown loss rule, if you had followed your 2% loss rule, would you have come out profitable at the end? And the answer was yes. And I said, here you go. Here's your answer. Trading mindset. If you had followed your 2% and if you had followed your 2% and you still got out at a massive loss at the end of the trading session, let's say at the end of the month, then look at your trading strategy or has the market changed? As simple as that, then you need to look at other venues. But that's how you know. But he didn't want to keep his metrics because it was so painful to have a loss and then to face that. Again, as I always say, it's really scary because you have to do something. You have to track it and then find a solution to, to fix it, which is like really hard in itself. So I agree with that, yeah. Yeah. So how do you prepare yourself? Preparing yourself in the morning with a morning routine is just one little part. The real preparation is in the context of your whole life. And the work that we have done together, the training that you and I ran Etienne, on how to fast track your trading to full-time trading, I talk a lot about the wheel of life, which I have always on my wall. Have I done something about health and well-being today? And as you know, I had severe problems with my back the last year, really. And my workload has just so increased, I can't keep up anymore. I need to look at ways on how to be more efficient, how to get more help. And so I spent the last week in Sydney and got myself a nice hotel and was going on walks, you know, Bondi, uh, Kuji to Bondi walk, and just just moved a lot. And guess what? No problems with my back, nothing. And it shows again that my problem was not solved by buying a better chair. I have three chairs now here, a ball, a kneeling chair, actually four. I have a stool and I have like, a, you know, like one of those gaming chairs now as well, like incredibly expensive. Nothing fixed my back. Going out and moving fixed my back. Did you know someone, I had dinner with a naturopath, really interesting guy. And he said to me, did you know that heart, there is no cancer of the heart? I didn't know that. It never occurred to me. Blind spot, hello. So what does it mean? And his theory is that the heart is always full pumped with blood. And that's why it's really important that you go out, that I go out and move and put my health and well-being at the forefront because, you know, when I get sick, trading doesn't mean anything. I can't perform when my back hurts. That's that's just the reality of it. And my life, my quality of life sucks when my back hurts, when I put out my back. So I need to make sure that every day I do two hours for my health and happiness. Yeah, so the next one I have here is finances and wealth. I need to make sure that I'm on top of my finances. End of the month, I have to do my best again. Blah, hate it. What do I do? I get myself a bookkeeper now. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm over it. So learning and growth. Did I do something today to learn as in, in my personal development? 
and to learn in my professional development. Personal development is my behavioral patterns. My So what is my unconscious strategy to self-sabotaging myself? I know I do that a lot still and get some new behavioral strategies that I can apply. Professional development, what is a piece of trading strategy that I can learn? So as you know, I'm into learning all about macroeconomics and I want to learn about options. I find it so hard. The next one's creativity and hobbies. What do I do just for fun? And I remember a story from Linda Rushke again, who sold all her horses and moved states in America and she got almost depressed. And then she was asking Steve Ward, you know, who incidentally was my coach as well in 2011, like, I don't know what's going on with me. I'm so depressed. And he's like, what did you used to do for fun? Well, I used to go riding my horses after the markets. And he's like, here you go. Get yourself a new horse. And that made a massive difference. This is how simple it can be. But we don't see that ourselves, right? So do something for fun. And then, yeah, your friends and your family, you need to have a really good support team around you. And I make sure to meet every day one of my friends for lunch, for dinner, speak with them on the phone to nurture and support them as they nurture and support me. Because when I have a shit day trading, And I call my friend and I say, can you just catch up for lunch? Don't talk about my trading. She's like, yeah, cool. She knows just to entertain me and to talk about happy things and to get me out of this, you know, out of this brooding mindset of like, man, what's wrong with me? I can't catch a trade today. My timing is out. Lost the money that I made the last two days. Crap. She gets me out of that. She snaps me out of it. And then I come back to my trading station. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it doesn't matter. Like it's put into perspective. And I yeah. start afresh and I'm like, you know, a racehorse catching up again. But, and that's a part of like the whole wheel. Let's just like a third or whatever. And yeah, exactly. this is important. And I feel especially with trading or like a high demanding job like this or a business, which is the same as trading. I think it's kind of easier to fall back to only one or two parts. And you kind of have to readjust yourself all the time or plan really well depending on what you prefer. But I think it's even more important here in trading to master those yeah, parts. Yeah. And you see athletes do that as well, right? Like elite athletes, that's what they do with their lives. Now they have coaches around them usually, and they have a team of people like Federer travels with a team of people. Nadal travels with a team of people. They bring their friends along. Like right? So that is so important for well-being and mental health. That helps us to perform. Should we answer some questions? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So, and uh, yeah, there was a question from, who was that? I think it was, yeah, JD. So for a beginner like himself, how would you put things in place to get it right from the start? I don't think that's possible, but how do you get it right from the start? Mm. JD, you know, you say intermittent fasting is the magic pill. I can tell you, Intermittent fasting, you can fast as much as you want to. You can't eat pizza, drink Coke, drink beer, fish and chips, chicken and chips, and chocolate in the times when you don't fast. It's not the magic pill. You also have to eat healthy. Or maybe you're 20 years, I don't know, when you get older, you cross the 40, it's different. I can tell you that. Yeah. And also, if you watch the videos, the BBC documentaries from Michael Mosby, who invented, I think, intermittent fasting, or he, he talks about it. Really interesting. Interesting um, stuff. Yeah. So, well, you can't get it right from the start. <laughs> that's exactly. the thing. That's what I was that's expecting. What I, so, I yeah. think you learn by mistakes, and you learn by not doing things right from the start. Yeah. And, and like for me, when I start something, I just start, and I always like screw up, and then I recover after. Then I kind of get the right thing from after that. I never so start perfectly. Is, so. Yeah, and, and what is the key theme for you, Etienne? Because I know you so well now. Constant feedback. Right. Right? Constant feedback through keeping your statistics. That's it. Yeah. And In all aspects, yeah. Exactly. If you need to get it right, that shows me that you're running a perfectionist strategy. And it shows me also in some of the answers that you give that you have a perfectionist strategy and the perfectionist strategy will give you a procrastination strategy to keep you safe. So the tip that I can give, learn and practice to fuck it up from the start. 
and get <laughs> instant feedback and just keep going and just do, do, do. And you gain perfection whilst you take action. That is the secret. Love that. And I don't believe in follow your trade plan, don't deviate because the market is so dynamic. One trading plan cannot cover all of that. You would have to have 10 different trading plans to cover all kinds of markets. I was working with a trader a while ago, an amazing guy, and he lost his confidence in his trading plan because the market came down really, really hard. When was it? Just a few, just, I mean, last month it was, I think in August or July, when the market came down really hard. It was just one day, just one Wednesday. And so he got an entry to go long, took the long, got taken out, took the long, got taken out. He had like 15 losing trade in a row because the market was just impulse down based on a Trump tweet or something. So he followed his system no matter what, and it hurt him badly. It cost him a lot of his account. You need to be flexible and adjust and put into context because sometimes it makes sense to deviate from your plan. And sometimes, you know, you need to look at what has changed. Maybe my plan doesn't work like that. Yeah, Alejandro. Mm -hmm. I want to go through a comment from Gregory. I think because that's in line with what we talked about first, about getting things perfect from the start. I'm not sure if you've seen this before, but there's such a thing, I think, as backtesting a lot and then getting the result and then wanting to backtest even more to make sure the results are perfectly fine and perfectly accurate. And I feel like that can hurt you for a long time. You can back this for like 10 years to get the certainty of like going in the market and making money, but then not ever going in the market. You're too busy about this something. Have you seen this before, Mandy? Or is it only me? Yeah, you know, the thing is, I just saw on Twitter recently, someone said that the newer traders haven't seen many different markets. Yeah. In the last 10 days, the mar- uh, 10 years, the market has been up. So. You know, I have been, my trading debut was in 2002, I believe, if I can remember correctly. In 2003, I had the first experience with what happens when war starts. There was March 2003 when I was short and the market jumped up overnight, Australian night, and I lost everything because I was trading stocks. I couldn't get out. So that was my first experience with war what happens before war and what happens when, you know, America invades a country. I have learned from that. I know what happens. I have been through the 2008 GFC. I can see what happens, right? So these are experiences that you can only feel. You cannot learn from studying. So 100 trades, not enough. You need to look at market cycles. So if you look at the euro, what are the defining influences in the euro? Yeah, I would backtest those. What happened before Draghi announced QE? What happened after Draghi announced QE? How did the euro respond? How did the euro respond in the GFC? How did the euro respond in context with the US dollar? Yeah, do correlations then you have covered everything. That's a really good insight that I didn't think about, so I kind of like it. That's good. So a good way might be to take like 100 trades in different circumstances. Yes, So like yes, 100 yes. here, there, 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 and then you add up, it's going to be like maybe more for sure. But exactly. you have data for all the periods, and that's really good advice. I love that. Awesome. So Stephen asked if I yeah. meditate before trading. Right. I don't. I learned mindfulness in 2011 from Steve Ward. And I went through a really tough time in 2010, 2011. (laughs) Father passing away from cancer, long-term partner leaving me to marry someone else. I lost everything. It was just drama, you know. It's just one of those things when life just just happens and you feel like a whirlwind and you can't stop it. You just keep rolling down the hill. And so that's when I did some work with Steve Ward. And I'm grateful for whatever happened because I came out like a phoenix out of the ashes, bigger, stronger, and better. And part of that was learning about mindfulness. And Steve has this um, beautiful book, Trader Mind, where he talks a lot about mindfulness. Yeah, and you you interviewed Steve, right, as well. So, And Steve works mostly with hedge funds, mostly in the hedge fund space nowadays, professional institutional traders banks like Hong Kong Bank and so on, like an amazing guy. And 
So he introduced me to mindfulness because I, my life was in so much uproar. I was in no state to meditate. Like my mind was going crazy and I couldn't sit still. I was in so much fear. And so mindfulness was for me the entry level into calming myself down, being more present in the present, not fearing the future, not regretting the past of all the mistakes that I did, all the wrong turns that I made, all the stupid decisions that I had made that led me to that point, right? The reason why my life unraveled was because of all the decisions that I made up to this point. And how could I learn from that, right? So mindfulness was massive for me. And I live now my life in mindfulness. It has become a way of life where I'm always present. When I do the dishes, I do mindfulness. You know, how does the water feel on my skin? How does the plate feel on my hand? I do mindfulness when I cook. I love cooking now and feeling the food and giving it happy thoughts. And that comes from Ayurvedic medicine, by the way, that my mom, she did a course in Ayurvedic medicine. So she teaches me a lot about Ayurveda. I love it. It's so cool. So I don't meditate. I get bored. I'm too active. I don't enjoy it. I don't love it. So I don't do it. I only do what I love in life now. And I love mindfulness. And I do a lot of mindfulness work. When I walk, being conscious of how does my foot roll onto the surface? How does the surface feel underneath my foot? How does my leg feel underneath my hand? How does my hand feel on top of my leg? And that gives me so much self-awareness. I'm so present to myself in trading that I now feel creeping up when I get superwoman syndrome. I feel it early enough to stop trading. So, uh-oh, I get superwoman syndrome. I had a good run. I'm now prone to making a stupid mistake, to feeling when I get tired and my concentration drops off. And to say, wow, I'm feeling my mind wandering and I'm feeling the greed creeping up. It's like, oh, just $2 more and I rounded it up to the next $100. And we all know how that ends, losing $200 rather than making $2. So that's what mindfulness gives me. So that's my answer to you. How about you, Etienne? Do you meditate? Uh, Yeah, I also meditate pretty much every morning. And that's when I'm really busy and traveling a lot. But usually every morning, yeah. So what I'm curious to know, though, is this goes with meditation too and mindfulness as well. I feel like it takes some time to understand the benefit and see them. And it's not like you got to quantify, oh, I'm like 20% more disciplined or 40% more patient. It's hard to, to guess. So how long have you spent doing mindfulness before you see some result in trading? Hmm. It's really hard to say because, again, it's just one piece of the puzzle, isn't it? Right. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like to That's say, funny. how did you get your car to drive? It's, it's the motor and the wheels and the gearbox and, it's like, and the steering wheel. It's like everything together. Also, when I started doing mindfulness, my whole life was out of whack. And mindfulness alone wouldn't have gotten it into whack. Did it help? Yes. So mindfulness is like adding a few ramps on your computer. It's like getting really, really good fuel for your car rather than getting crappy fuel for your car. Yeah, I, I don't know it yet. As I said, it's become a way of life. And I can certainly see that my whole life, my life as a whole, has improved tremendously. Meaning also that when I have challenges, which I still have, will never go away, they just shift, that it helps me to get over those challenges faster. For example, when I hurt my back, I knew that my back is struggling well before it went out. Did I do something about it? No. I was still sitting on the computer, doing my coaching sessions, writing my programs, and so on, rather than saying, I need to take a break and take care of my back. If I had taken care of my back, I wouldn't have had to need to take the time out to heal, right? So in the end, I wasted more time, wasted more money, and had even more pain. Because if I had stopped the very moment when I felt my back tightening up and my calves tightening up, that very moment, it would only have taken half an hour to fix it. Then afterwards, it took a month. Mm-hmm. That's the power of mindfulness. So I think that's a good tip for people starting out. Colin says, a little bit of mindfulness every day helps for like whatever reason. So like if you do a little bit every day and tell yourself it helps a little bit more every time you do it, then in the end, you'll see the result probably. Yeah. If you combine but again, mindfulness things. is the yeah. way of life for me now. It's not I do exactly. a bit a day. Yeah. yeah. 
And Colin has a great point. Um, there is a beautiful app from um, Headspace. Right, yeah. It's a free app. And it's really great to start getting you into mindfulness until it becomes a way of life. Exactly. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Any questions, guys? Come below in the chat. We'll have time for a few more. I want to remind you, we'll link, the, we'll link below the, the academy where Mandy and I did two trainings together. They're really powerful, really tactical. And I know a few of guys here, Colin and Alejandro, of course, went to do a training before, so I highly appreciate it. And if you guys want to get out, so I'll give you a link below, of course. Yeah. I'd love to attend something that I saw on Twitter, which really concerned sure. me. Yeah. So it's this really cool dude, right, on Twitter. And he posted something about his heart being ripped out in trading, and trading is freaking hard. And it, it is hard. We know that. And he got a lot of likes and retweets and encouragement. And this really concerns me because what those well-meaning people did was they reinforced a self-sabotaging behavior. They reinforced a destructive behavior. So it's like with little kids. When a kid throws a tantrum and says, I want chocolate, and then you give them the chocolate, what does the kid learn? They learn that if I throw a tantrum, I get what I want. If I don't throw a tantrum, I don't get what I want. And I see a lot of traders self-sabotaging with this negative behavioral pattern where they got attention as children by creating drama. Yeah? So always having a drama, that's when they got attention or by being a rebel, by being the naughty kid. So when you look at the roles that everyone plays in life, that could be the sick kid. So the kid that was always sick, and then the parent had to attend to them first. The black sheep in the family, who was getting a kind of attention by always underperforming, because there was a high-performing um, sibling in the family already, so that space was taken. And so in order not to compete with a sibling who did well, which is usually the oldest sibling, they would then do the opposite. They would underperform and get attention this way. And that was certainly something that was playing out in my life. And so having to underperform and creating drama has become a way of life for them. Unconsciously, they don't know that. So when they do really well in their trading, they have to start sabotaging their trading because they have learned as children that if I do well, then I don't matter. Then I don't get love. And so they have to sabotage their trading and lose everything and create drama. And then people come and say, oh, honey, it's not so bad. Come on, let me give you a hug. Let me buy you an ice cream. Metaphorically speaking, of course, as adults, we do different things. Does it make sense? Can you see the danger in that? Yeah, this is really, really interesting. And this is something I didn't think about, but really powerful. And maybe to kind of draw on this a little bit more, I think just in general, people have to be really careful about the limiting belief they have about themselves and markets and trading. Like for, for me, a few months back, I was, I was saying, well, because I travel a lot, I kind of take all the trades. I'll, I'll miss trades because I'm away traveling, doing things and stuff, and being a cruise on a, on a plane, whatever. And that lasted for like a month or two. And then I got to, like, understood I was making something not valid, claim something, something not valid, and finding, finding an answer to make it work after. So finding a way to script it to make it more automated. But for some time, I was, like, stuck in that kind of hole of thinking to myself, oh, it's this and that, and you cannot do it. Yeah, exactly. I love that. I love that, Etienne, because I saw what you call it your trading assistant, right? Exactly. That piece of software. And so many traders that I work with who work full-time have the same problem. And they're like, I can't because... And they keep yeah. themselves stuck. And what you did, I love that you said, all right, so that's the reality of my traveling. This is a limiting situation that I have. And then you turn it around and you said, how can I fix that? How can I solve this problem? What can I do? And I know you did a lot of work with Alejandro, which is amazing. So Alejandro is, is amazing on that part. And I always say, I only am good in a certain part of my trading. Everything else, I draw from people who are good at what they're doing. I, I suck at options. What do I do? I ask people like, um, you know, Alba. I suck at macro. So whom do I ask? I ask people like Alpha Hub and Tony TechFX traders. So everything that I'm not good at, I ask other people. So, you know, Chris Weston, Uresh. There's so many amazing people on Twitter who are willing to help. Whenever I have a trading IT challenge, I ask Alejandro yeah, and I ask, 
FX flow, you know, Bob. And they're so willing to help, right? You have always been also been so helpful with, you know, installing my member mouse thing <laughs> as well. So Good. we don't need to excel at everything ourselves. We don't need to be lone wolves. And that goes back to the wheel of life. Yeah. And I think you need to be willing to talk about what you face and your challenges to like people. Otherwise, if you keep it to yourself and just say, oh, well, this is what I'm dealing with. And like, I'll just figure it on my own. It's going to be hard to figure it out. Yeah. Too hard. It's more fun yeah. when you have a group, a team of people around you. And this is what I see as a defining factor for people who perform well. They have a team. They don't talk about their trading, actually. It's really interesting. So, again, I only can talk about Tony and Matt because I hang around them a lot. They don't talk about their trades. They talk about the markets. Yeah. Really interesting. And I don't talk about my trades. So often people ask me, are you in this trade? Are you in that trade? And I don't respond because the moment I mention what I do, then I trigger in myself something that's called, ah, I forgot the word. It's something that I use in marketing. So when I say something out loud, then I internally unconsciously commit myself to that. Right, right. That's interesting. So yeah, you see this a lot of people saying that for sure. I want to get to a question from Glenn. Glenn was asking, what do you need to provide to get capital from an investor? We did a few videos on that. Uh, there's a playlist, like a whole place of like 10 videos on that topic. But there's a link here below in the chat. So it's going to be done. Well, in a nutshell, and... show your trading results that are audited by an accountant. And if you have the results, there's people who are desperate to give money. right? So, But there's a lot of hedge funds you compete with as well. Just saying. Yeah. But it's easier than you think if you do things right. And if you don't do things right, then it's hard. It's harder than you think. Yeah. Wonderful. Anything you want to mention, Mandy, to close it with or to finish up with? Anything that you think people need to use or apply? Also, GD was mentioning verbal programming. Is that similar? Yeah, verbal programming. That's what happens a lot as well. So we call it priming. There's this beautiful video from Darren Brown, D-E-R-R-E-N Brown, who is like a master in NLP. I adore this guy. And what he did was he picked up two people from a marketing company and um, said he wanted them to do a marketing piece for them. And he picked them up from the airport, drove them to the office. They created their marketing, which was a piece of, was an image. And then before they could show their image, he rolled out his and said, did you create something like that? Similar. And it was almost similar, right? The same elements, the same colors, mind-blowing. They're like, how did you do that? Then he showed that when he drove, when he picked them up, he drove past a zoo. So there was a bear in the image. There was a group of school children coming out from the zoo through the gate who wore a special blue. That blue was in the image. The gate of the zoo was also in the image of their marketing. This is so unconscious, so deeply, deeply unconscious. Now imagine how that can impact our trading as well, that programming. When we see someone posting something on Twitter, and I don't know about you, Etienne, but so many times I'm like thinking about my trading plan, setting out my trading plan. I want to go short here, for example. I see someone on Twitter posting something about going long. Do I go long faster than I can think? It's like, what did I do that for? Oh, yeah, priming. I got primed. How can I protect my mind from getting primed? So, That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. so many times. And I only find out because I keep my journal. I write down. That's awesome. It's powerful. Yeah. Um, so that's where we're programming. Yeah. I want to answer question. Yeah, I want to answer Gregory's question a little bit. And you might answer maybe Stephen's question after. So Gregory's asking, one teaching strategy to people that don't know about the market, how do you present that strategy to them? So do you give them like a course about trading, an introductory course about trading? Or you spend more time talking about what you trade, your strategy? Well, the short answer is like, talk to people about what they know, and that's it. If they know about the market, talk about the market. If they don't know, don't talk about the market. But most people that are investors will care more about the risk. So you might, want, you might as well talk about the risk versus the return, and that's what you should focus on. So, Mandy, do you have a limit of time you trade per day? So, Stephen was saying, I find after three hours of trade, I start to make mistakes. Hmm. No, I don't have a limited time. I'm in front of a computer all day and night. Being in Australia, you know, it's, um, 
I go to bed usually at one o'clock at the moment because the U.S. market opens at 11.30 at night. So I want to get the opening drive, which is one of my main trading where, where I perform best. I don't sit three hours solid on the computer trading either. So I get up every half an hour and I trade more with intention, with uh, volition, meaning I trade when there's announcements. I trade really well during announcements. I trade when I know the DAX moves the most. So the DAX moves the best on opening drive, moves the best around announcements, and moves the best during US Open. So these are the times when I trade, meaning I surf when there's waves and wind. If there's no waves, I don't surf. I don't try to surf. But I am in front of my computer all day. Always I have four monitors here, always having my charts up. I do that as well. So because there could be a Trump tweet or something, there's like an epic opportunity. If I miss it, that's all good. The question is, do you only have three hours to trade or do you trade all day? When you lose concentration, what you want to do is you want to, like with your body, you know, when you go, let's say, for going for an all-day hike, you, you bring food. So I remember when I, was, when I was climbing up Machu Picchu, I did the four-day walk-up. It was amazing. And what we did was we had food. So we, we stopped every an hour and a half or every two hours and we got food, yummy food. <laughs> and then we made sure that we had lots of water. We had those cocoa leaves because it was really high up there. So what does it take for you to keep your mindset or your um, capital, emotional capital, as Denise Schall calls it, to keep the silos filled up. For me, it is what I said before, the wheel of life. Have I done something for my health and well-being? Meaning, have I done Feldenkrais yoga, been out on the beach for my run? Have I done something for my happiness? Something that I love doing that's outside trading. Maybe um, going shopping or going for a bike ride or just something that I love doing? Have I done something with my friends, right? Have I been out for lunch with them? Have I spoken to them on the phone? So one of my friends, she had a baby a few months ago. I don't see her anymore, <laughs> but I speak to her on the phone and she shows me, you know, on Skype, she shows me the little one. She lives a little bit further. These are things that are important for my mental well-being. And this is what keeps me going throughout the day. So I keep constantly filling up my wheel of life. Yeah. Contribution. What have you done today to help others? Really important to me. Maybe not to you, but to me it is. So, yeah. On that note, I highly appreciate you coming here today. A lot of advice, a lot of tactical stuff. I appreciate it for sure. Leon, comment below what's your number one takeaway after this is live, and we'll make sure to answer your comments. And with that being said, we'll catch you back here tomorrow for another video. Thanks so much, Etienne. Thank you, everyone, for making this fun and asking all your questions. This is how you bring out the best in us and hopefully we can deliver the best for you as well.